Well, hello everybody and welcome to my next episode in my podcast series, Did It Anyway. As always, I'm really excited to have another guest uh, online with me to share their experience over uh, a few years of challenge and how they've been able to overcome that challenge in their lives. And um, Today I have a really a good friend of mine, her name's Felicity Parker, and, and I've known her for a number of years now, and Felicity lives in a, a beautiful area up... Uh, in the sunny, sunny world of Byron Bay, a long way from where I live down in Melbourne. And she's got an amazing story that she's going to share with us today. And I really ask you as you listen to her story to think about areas in your life that may be challenging and ways that you might be able to overcome them as well. As she has been able to move forward with her life, even after some really challenging experiences. So I'd like to hand the time over to Felicity for just a second, who I will probably refer to on the phone on the on the call as Parker, because that's how how I always refer to her. So that's who I'm talking about. If you hear me say Parker, uh, but I'll hand over to you, Parker, and you can just tell tell everyone about yourself, who you are, and uh, where you're from, and so forth. Awesome. Thank you, Baron. Hi everybody, my name is Felicity Parker, as Baron said, and I live in Byron Bay, New South Wales. I feel extremely blessed to live here. And I have been, I was living in the States for 12 years, and I've been back in Australia since the end of 2013. So it was New Year's Eve when I landed back in Australia, 2013. So I've been home for about four years and yeah I feel I'm, I'm very happy to be home. <laughs> so you saw the light and came back to the the beautiful land of Australia. <laughs> well I don't know if I saw the light at the time but yes I actually can very much see the light now. <laughs> <laughs> no we do love America though I mean you were there for a long time and I I have very uh, fond feelings about America. Lots of friends there. It's a wonderful place. But we do love Australia, that's for sure. So uh, yeah. we're glad to have you back, Parker, that's for sure. Uh, now, uh, I want to – you have an amazing story of – I'm going to call it survival because that's what it is. You, in a couple of areas in your life that we're going to talk about, you had to survive through some pretty tough stuff. And we're going to – there'll be people listening to this that have experienced similar types of things and really uh, – what you can share with them today may be really helpful. And so I really want want everyone that's listening to, to listen hard on this one because there's going to be some real gems, I think, that, that Felicity will share with us. Not to set you up at all, Felicity. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but I want, to, I want to rewind the clock as we normally do and I want to take you back to 2004 where this main part of your story, I think, that we're going to share today started. And that was you walked into a gym of sorts uh, and you met somebody. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened there? Okay. Uh, yes, I walked into a personal training studio, and I was determined to get myself a personal trainer uh, because it was a skill that I actually wanted to learn, and I also was feeling um, I was feeling a little bit depressed. So I thought, well, if I get a personal trainer. Uh, then you know life might pick up a little bit. So I walked into a gym and there was one guy in there that was training and I told him that I needed a, a personal trainer. So uh, he t- actually told me that I couldn't afford him. <laughs> that was without <laughs> even asking me any questions. And 
uh, and I, I said to him, well, I know that I need a personal trainer and, um, and I, and I want to work out here. And so, yeah, that's, um, that was in 2004 and that was the beginning of a very interesting journey in my life. So let's talk just a little bit more about that because that was, uh, I mean, that's a great thing. You've met somebody new and um, got to know this guy and actually started to work for him uh, shortly after. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So I I trained there for about two weeks and then I I asked him would he teach me the trade of personal training and give me a job. So I was, at the time, I was living in Texas and I was riding horses for a living and so I would uh, go into the gym three days a week in the afternoons after I'd finished on the horses and I would train and then I would pretty much follow this guy around and and learn how to how to train people so I did that for about uh, about six months probably and uh, during that time he was actually going through a divorce and a custody battle with his uh, ex-wife and um, and so I, I'd become friends with him and I, and I felt very sorry for him because I heard one side of the story and um, me being, you know, thinking that I could fix everything. I, you know, I, I offered to do more hours of work and, and to do quite a lot of paperwork in order to help him in his court case as well. So, so we, we actually become friends, um, what I thought was a friend at the time, uh, and we did eventually get married. So we right, ended that up was a having fair way. a relationship. Yeah, so ended up getting together, I guess. Now that relationship yeah, over the next, together. yeah, so that relationship over the next few years was probably not the perfect uh, relationship that you would have planned to have. <laughs> um, now, you wanted to tell us a little bit about this, so why don't you tell us a little bit about some of those challenges that you faced in that relationship over the next few years? Sure. So, um, I'm, it's hard to just, can't, you know, to tell you just straight off the bat, but I, I, I got into this relationship because I, my self-esteem and my self-worth were really really low at the time and I didn't realize it but he was very much a, a narcissist bordering on sociopath and I I was craving attention and I, I just wanted somebody to to tell me the things that I really wanted to hear you know um, and he was very good at that. He was very good at lip service and, and telling me what I wanted to hear. But uh, he was also, in doing that, he was, he was quite emotionally abusive as well. So with one hand, he would give compliments and then he would actually retract them with the other hand. And, um, and I didn't realise it at the time, but I was... 
I was thinking that I was gaining more self-esteem because I was becoming fit and, and, you know, and I was really enjoying the personal training side of things, but I was becoming this workhorse and this puppet for somebody and, and I really didn't see what was happening at the time. It was, it was really quite subtle and, yeah. and I was losing more and more of, of who I was and just becoming uh, somebody that, that this person was creating. You know, I, I remember uh, there was quite a lot of there was quite a lot of emotional abuse and there was a lot of verbal abuse as well. And I remember the first time that he, they call it raging with a uh, narcissist. And I remember the first time that he raged at me and I was, I was so afraid. And that was the first time that I seen this man that I thought, you know, I had my back and this man that I thought had feelings for me, um, just get so angry over it didn't seem like anything and I remember grabbing my things and and running and I was going to leave the house and and he was where are you going what are you doing and I said well clearly you don't want me around here you don't have you know like I mean I was mistaken I was thinking that you you actually had feelings for me because you know like I was brought up with great parents and you know, you just didn't speak to each other like that. So, so I thought that this guy was, you know, really angry with me and wanted me away from him. And and then with it was like a bat of the eye, and and he and he switched, and he was like, oh no, no, you know. So and and that type of pattern happened again and again and again over the years, and. You know, and I just become more and more numb to it, and it's it really is quite difficult to to think about that now, being so removed from there. But I do remember, you know, just every time it happened, I just become a little bit more numb and a little bit more numb and a little bit, you know, I just died a little bit more inside every time, and I I gave away my power every time that happened, you know, and I just, and then I, I found that I started to make excuses for him and excuses for his behavior and why he would do that. Um, so, so would he just scream at you and, and tell you you were no good or is, is that the type of thing that he would do? Yeah, he would get, uh, he would get really angry and, and he would raise his voice. It was, it was, and there was, a lot of profanity like he would call me really ugly names and he would really criticize the person that I was and he um, would tell me that I was no good that I was lazy that um, he used to call me a pig a lot <laughs> um, and you know amongst other there was a lot of name calling in that and he would um, and then I would start to apologize um, and apologize for my behavior and and you know the things that he was accusing me of at the time, I would start to apologize for what I had thought that I had done and and once I had groveled enough, then he would 
you know, he would he would switch and he would turn around and then he would be he would be quite loving. He would be quite attentive and and he would um but he never apologized. He never said sorry. It was just it was just a given that it was like it never happened. You know, when, when he would when he would switch back, it was like it never happened and he would just talk on or make plans as if that argument never happened or he'd never raged. I remember one time um, we had arranged to go out for my birthday and he was, uh, he didn't want to go. So he threw all of my things out of my wardrobe, out of my closet and called me all these names and, um, and then I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I was scratching my head, just going, I don't understand what was, I, I never did understand what was happening. And he would, he would do these things, you know, he'd throw things around the house or he'd throw things out of my wardrobe and he would kick me out basically. But, and then I would think, okay, I'm leaving. And then he would retract all of his statements, um, not by an apology, but just, you know, just carry on a conversation. Oh, do you, do you want to go and grab some dinner? Do you want to come and watch a video or, you know, something on TV? And, and I guess I was just, yeah, like it was nothing. And I guess I was just so confused at the time. And, and, you know, I'd really, by this stage, I'd really lost a lot of my, my self-worth and my self-respect and my self-esteem. And something that's, that really stood out to me as I, as I listened to your story over the last few years, Parker, is that this is something that's not discussed very much. The emotional abuse side of things, you know, we frequently hear about physical and sexual abuse and they, they are horrendous things. Um, but these things yeah. are much more subtle and destroy your self-confidence over a long period of time till you're just a broken human being. And, and yeah. so I, I actually wanted to bring it to the front because I think it's a really important thing to talk about and it's not okay. This stuff is just not okay um, for people yeah. to behave in this way and can't be just, you know, I got angry one time or I got, it's just not okay to behave in this way. And something that really was um, concerning to me was um, a few years later um, when you started to talk to me about uh, a diagnosis that you had in, in May 2011, um, which I'd love you to talk about now just a little bit, and that is... Um, it wasn't just the diagnosis that you were concerned about. Um, it was the reaction from him and then actually what happened after that, which was mind-blowing to me. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened? I, I think it was the 19th of May. Is that right? Yep. 19th of May 2011, I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. It was uh, quite um, an aggressive breast cancer. Um, and... I I had gone to the doctor and and I had I had thought like I thought I found a lump and I had I went to the doctor and he sent me for a mammogram uh, and from there they sent me for a biopsy and that's and they diagnosed me on the nineteenth of May and I yeah it was it was a <laughs> It was one of the most frightening days of my life and I remember 
7.30 in the morning when the doctor's surgery calls you up, you know that there's, that there's something wrong when they're calling yeah. you at 7.30 and asking you what time you can, you can be in there. And I sat in the, in the waiting room for, I think, for probably an hour. And, um, and I remember when I walked out and just the, the fear of it all, but the sadness of it all because I was still... I was still with this guy and uh, we weren't married and I, I remember I had to I had to go then and, and meet my surgeon and I ended up having surgery on the 20th of, of June and so from 2004 to 2011 I had basically been I'd given my life up for another person and I was I was the breadwinner and I was also the housewife and I did all the cooking and all the washing and all the cleaning and I I trained most of the people at the gym and I didn't get any money for that. So 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 you didn't was, get paid the whole time? No, I didn't get paid. I I remember asking him could he pay me and he told me that he provided me with a roof over my head. I should be happy with that. And and I actually remember thinking, oh, yes, of course, that I really should be happy with that. Of course, you know, that makes that, sense, yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, you know, and I just, I think back on that and I think, oh, my gosh. So, but I remember, you know, like, I just felt this sense of emptiness and loneliness because... Now I'm in a country on my own and because I was in the US and that's where I was diagnosed, I I just felt like I needed to stay there and, and continue with whatever I was going to do next. And uh, with somebody that, and it was a big realisation for me I guess at the time, for somebody that really didn't care for me that much. And I, I wasn't too sure how how this was going to play out. And um, so you so after you've after you've been diagnosed, can you just talk me through when you went home and you spoke to this guy and let him know? And I, I think from memory you were supportive for a couple of days, but then something happened. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, he was he was supportive um, for a couple of days. You're right, and. <laughs> My surgery was due. Um, my surgery was scheduled for the twentieth of June, and so it was quite it was quite fast. And um, and I needed time. Like I just I just sort of felt like I needed some time to process what was happening. And and I I guess I wasn't um, as efficient at the gym or at home like I had been and so he he actually kicked me out a week before my surgery so we're talking and three so this is what three weeks after your diagnosis um, of breast cancer your yep. then boyfriend kicks you out of the home and so you have yep. literally nowhere to live um, yep. and you're just about to go in for a week before your surgery 
a week before my surgery. Yeah, it was a week before my surgery, and I ended up at my. I had a, a girlfriend over there that was from Australia, and she had been living there for quite a few years. And I actually had quite a lot of Australian friends over there, and um, and I went and stayed with her uh, for a few nights until he called me up and told me that I should come home. And that was a few days before my, um, a couple of days before my surgery. So I did. I went home. <laughs> and the, once again, it was the same story, you know, like it was just I, I got home and there was no explanation. There was no apology. It was, um, I think I cooked dinner that night, so that was really convenient for him. <laughs> and... Um, and then I went into, I went, I had surgery on the 20th of June. So, and he, he was once again the supportive partner and he took me in for my surgery and uh, it was day surgery and they sent me home that day and I had drains in. I had surgery on the Friday and... Uh, my drains had to stay in. I think I got my drains removed the following Wednesday. And over the weekend, I had I had amazing clients and I had amazing friends that really supported me 100%. And I had a lot of people bring food and 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 really just people bought lots of things. And so there was plenty of food for me to eat over the next few days or for us both to eat and uh, and he did a good job of draining my drains and measuring how much fluid come out and uh, I got my drains taken out on the Wednesday and I was back at work on the Thursday so he told me that I needed to to get back to work because he had things that he needed to take care of so my first day back at work with a pillow under my arm, I did a 12-hour day because he needed to take the day off. <laughs> Why did he need to take so, the day off? Well, he was um, he was feeling a little exhausted from looking after me and the gym and and doing everything while I'd had the week off after uh, after surgery. <laughs> this is, this, this, it sounds almost <laughs> funny now, doesn't it? But it does sound funny now. I'll just tell the story, and I just and you know there was a time, Baz, when when all of this was done, and there was for such a long time, I I could I would tell the story, and I would just I could I got in touch with those emotions. Those emotions were so raw, and as my life progresses, you know, it's a lot harder to to get in touch with those emotions now because when I look back on it, I'm just not the same person as I used to be. I'm just not and that that's a woman good thing. anymore. That's a good mm. thing. And so a, you've come a great thing. You've come back for a twelve hour day with a pillow under your arm yep. to protect yourself, obviously. Now yep. I'm gonna ask a crazy question. Um, and I it. want to talk a bit, little bit more how you feel in just a moment, but in June two thousand and twelve you married this guy. And I <laughs> I mean, we laugh about it, but why? Why, Parker? Why did you do that? When? What made you do that? I was so afraid 
of being alone because after that many years with somebody telling you that, that you will never find anybody, that no one, that nobody would want you, that, you know, you're, you're a POS because you won't let me swear. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there was, like, I really, I had nothing. I was a shell and I had no love for myself. I had no respect for myself and I had no idea how I was, I could ever survive without him because he told me that I would never survive without him for the past nine years. He told me that, you know, it's because of him that I am who I am. And, and he meant that in a positive aspect, you know, and, um, and then when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, he took on that role um, and I took on the role and, and said that he was going to heal me because he knew everything about nutrition. So then he would tell me that I would never survive breast cancer without him. So, um, so you felt almost mind, like you were worthless without him. Yeah, in my mind, I would never survive without this person. And, and I believe that. With every cell in my body, I believed that I was nothing without this person. I believed that my life was worthless and I was worthless without, without this person in my life and that I, that I wouldn't survive, that I wouldn't make it on my own, that I couldn't make money, that I couldn't survive breast cancer, that I couldn't, I, I just, like, I, I honestly believe that. So when, yes, in 2012, June 2012, I, I married him <laughs> um, in a church office with nobody that I knew. Uh, the people that were witnesses were people that the pastor had pulled out of the the congregation that was sort of milling around after church. Um, I got married in a pair of jeans and a singlet top with wet hair and I stood there and the whole time I just knew that I was making the biggest mistake of my life but I had no idea how to escape. And wow. I just thought you know like I, I thought at the time that that I was being strong by staying there you know like I just thought you know I have to be strong I have to I have I have to stand you know these are the choices that I've that I've made um, and this I was so ashamed of myself and this isn't something that a lot of people know but I didn't even tell my family that I got married because I was so ashamed of myself. And is that why you had no one there? Because you were ashamed of yourself and embarrassed? Is that is that why? You just did it by yourselves? Well, no, we actually had arranged to get married um, the, the Sunday beforehand. 
um, at a church service uh, and we were going to invite a couple of friends um, and a, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine who I refer to as my Texas mum, she said, oh, you can't get married without a dress and I didn't have any money to get a dress so we went to all the Goodwill stores which is like uh, St. Vincent de Paul here and I found this <laughs> ugly cheesecloth dress <laughs> that I was going to wear for the wedding because that was all I could afford at the time and she had a pair of blue shoes that fitted me just perfectly and and this um, antique brooch that belonged to her grandmother and uh, and you know and he knew that I had been you know going out and sort of trying to find something to wear to this wedding that we were going to have at this church service that was going to be outside uh, the church had bought a, a piece of land and they were going to have their first church service on this piece of land and and the pastor had said yes you can get married and 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 he had a couple of friends that he'd invited and and I had a couple of friends like people that I knew that you know I, I'd invited along and, and you didn't um, think to give you some cash to get a dress or something like that no he didn't and and he actually did say to me on the Saturday we were getting we were supposed to get married on the Sunday and he actually did say to me on the Saturday uh that I needed to call the pastor and <clears throat> and call it off because he couldn't stand the fact that I was um, I was going to be dressed in this dress and he had nothing to wear and he said I'm not marrying you tomorrow. He he thought it was quite unfair that I was going to have a dress and he had nothing to wear. So I called the pastor on the Saturday and and Can't called it off cancelled it for the Sunday and then we got married the following Wednesday in a pair of jeans and t-shirt and wet hair. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So. And I think something that, that stands out to me in this story, Parker, is that now you're still such a positive person in light of the fact that this guy was able to make you feel like you're a piece of garbage over a long period of time. And and you allow, I don't, I don't say allow with... I don't say it in the you, you were there. I don't want to say you allowed it because it's nothing well, to do with your you know, fault at all. But you were there for a long time and you you had this happen to you for a long period of time. But you did get away in the end. And can you tell us when that was and, and what happened? Yeah, sure. But can I just go back to what you just said? I do, because I do take 100% responsibility for it. And I think that that has been probably one of the most healing things that I could have done is that I I've taken 100% responsibility and and I chose I chose to be there for whatever reason that was and and yes he he did take away a lot but there was there was you know like I I take responsibility for that and okay. and and I'm and I'm really and I'm really proud to take responsibility for that because you know and I think that's allowed me uh, to heal and to have a, a greater healing than if I if I gave that power to him. So yeah, good for you. Um, yep. 
You yeah, own it and then so, you can move on because you own it. Yeah, I've taken 100% responsibility, so I have had 100% healing. You know, if I give him any of the, the power in that, then he still owns a piece of it. And um, so in 2000... Um, in 2013, mum and dad had a car accident and my dad hit a tree and I was in America in this relationship where it had actually got to, it, it just got worse and worse and, uh, and it got to the point where I did actually, I did actually leave the relationship and I I was sleeping on um, a friend of mine. I was sleeping on their floor for a while, and 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 still trying to rectify things. And my mum and dad had a car accident, and then I had a really big realization that you know I'm I'm giving away the best years of my life to somebody that doesn't even appreciate me and my mum and dad are you know like my mum and dad are getting older and and I really miss them and I really miss my family and you know and, and by this stage a lot of my friends had had left not left me but a lot of my friends were removing themselves from my life because it was just so much turmoil and it was just you know and, and people had tried to help me and i would go back into that I'd keep going back in so so I was feeling isolated and and I got to the point where um, I had to tell my mum and dad what had happened and that I had got married and they had supported me financially through my breast cancer because I chose to to do my own treatment plan. So I, I didn't do chemo and radiation, I did vitamin C. And so that was quite costly. And um, I had to start a website up. I started a website and I asked for donations. I got $11,000 and I hid that from um, my ex-husband. He didn't know that I had this money and, and my mum and dad would support me financially as well. and. And I ended up convincing the doctor's assistant to sell me the vitamin C at cost price. So he would meet me in Fort Worth with this box full of vitamin C and magnesium and saline and needles. And I got a port put in my chest. So then I would, I would give myself the treatment and it would cost me $250 less buying it that way than... Was it just uh, like in a car park? In a car park in yeah. a brown paper bag type thing. <laughs> yeah, it was like a drug deal <laughs> in this car park in Fort Worth. And he'd hand me this box full of stuff and I'd handed him the cash, you know, and then I'd go home and, and so I'd, I could buy a week's worth of, um, oh, sorry, two weeks' worth of vitamin C treatments every time. Wow. And, um, and so then I'd go home and I'd access my port myself and... It was just a crazy, it was a crazy life, you know, it was crazy, it was this crazy journey and when I look back on it, I think, gosh, you know, like I I did my own treatment plan, um, I got through breast cancer and, and my mum actually said to me, she said, if you think 
She said, you've worked so hard to beat cancer. And if you think that you're going to do it by staying in that situation, then you're wrong. And, you know, a lot of people had said things to me beforehand. You know, a lot of people had said, oh, Felicity, you're crazy. You need to leave. You need to do this. You need to do that. But it wasn't until those words were spoken by my mum that I really took notice and I decided that I needed to to stand on my own two feet, you know, that this, this really wasn't being strong. This wasn't being strong. The strength really come in, in walking away from this. And uh, so I didn't have... Um, didn't have any money and my mum and dad bought me a ticket home and I got on that plane in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, December 27th, 2013 and I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave and I remember and it's just, it was like God had me by the ear and he was dragging me down that, you know, to the plane and I'm like no I don't want to go and it's like trust me you need to go home and you know and I remember when I got home and you know I landed in Dubbo New South Wales and my mum picked me up from the airport and we're in the ute going back because we live about 120 k's west of Dubbo and, and I remember just the feeling of being just I that's when I guess I realized how broken I was um and what I was, was that feeling such, was it just free freedom no I felt I no I was so sad I was so so sad and I was so I, I you know like I had landed in I had landed in Australia with no money with no job with no prospects with nowhere to live and no clue what I was going to do. And I was I was so afraid, Baz. You know, I was so afraid. Even though I was, you know, like I'd made it home, I, I was, you know, like I'd been in this relationship for so long and I, and I still really believed that I couldn't survive without him. I still believe that. So I, I really wanted to go back. You know, like I was like an addict. Um, yeah. You know, like I was, I was like an alcoholic that just thought, oh, just one more drink. You know, so it's all, and that is a great, that's a great example, actually, Parker, because you're talking about how uh, being an addict, you, you and you know that it's bad. Like you know that taking drugs is bad. You know that drinking copious amounts of alcohol is bad. These things are bad. However, just like your experience, you're like. I'll go back to him and he'll tell me that I'm okay for a while and then he'll smack me around the head again and make me feel yeah. like I'm worthless. But you just, you almost, you need that kick again to go back to. That's fascinating. Yeah, I was a total addict. I was a total addict of this person. And, um, and like, you know, addicts, I felt like he had total control over me. And, and I really, you know, I was, I was an addict and I, and I remember just this heaviness and this sadness um, because now I was in Australia and I couldn't get back. Yeah. So, and, 
And so right now, that's a that's a good place, I reckon, to switch the story just a little bit. So you've come back to Australia and you've gone, now I'm afraid, I'm scared, because for the last few years I've been told that I'm worthless. Even when I'm really sick, this place kicked me out, out of the house, because I'm not good enough to be there. Even when I'm sick, you wouldn't even care for me. You, you've got no love for yourself. You've got no respect for yourself. You don't value yourself, because this guy's told you that you are a worthless piece of crap for a long period of time. And you're afraid, and now you're away from him, thinking that, crap, I actually, now I'm stuffed, because uh, he's told me for so many years I'm no good, I'm actually no good, and I'm by myself. How the heck yeah. did you get out of that? How, how the heck did you get to, from that moment right then, where you've come back to Australia, to where you are now? What's changed in your life for you to be able to make that step? Mm. That's such a great question. So... I I just I just I stopped think I, I stopped and I had to live in the now and when I would go into fear of what was going to happen I'd have to bring myself and I'd have to remind myself that myself and every other single person on this planet is only ever promised right now so for right now just you're okay you have a roof over your head and you have food on your table and you have clothes on your back and just and then take one more step and that's right now and so for a long time I just had to keep telling myself you're okay right now and um and I I prayed a lot I meditated a lot uh I worked out a lot. <laughs> yeah, you um, did. <laughs> I worked out a lot. And, you know, and I just, I, I, I thought, okay, where do I start? I don't have any money, so I've got to get a job. And I got a job at a, at a um, drive-through, like a, where they sell alcohol and cigarettes, <laughs> which was like so against everything that I believed in. But it so was, ironic as well. Know, and, yeah, and, you know, because I don't drink and I don't smoke and, um, and here I am selling cigarettes and alcohol to people and I'm all about health. But, um, <laughs> but that was okay, you know, because in that, in, 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 in selling the alcohol and the cigarettes, I reconnected with people from my past and they were really happy to see me and and it was through it was through different people meeting new people and and people from my past and and making new friends that little bit by little bit you know like I started to believe what other people said about me and, so, and that was all really positive on that, you said meeting new people was important. So what did they give you that you weren't getting before that you started to realize, hey, I'm valuable here? Mm. Um, well, one, they gave me their time and they listened to me. And it was the relationships that I formed with these people were they were mutual relationships they were mutual friendships and they had you know I listened and they listened I spoke and they spoke 
and there was a really an amazing an exchange of of energy between myself and complete strangers and and you know like they valued the things that I said it took me a little while to to recognize it but but then I started to realize that these people actually valued what I was saying and and then you know and I I started to I just started to believe in myself again somewhere along the line I'm not too sure where where and how but I I started to move forward and I I got another job you know and I then I had two jobs and then I was making a little bit more money and then I could afford to buy a car so then I was mobile <laughs> and and that meant that I could get around a little bit and and then I met and I, I could meet more people so I, I I went to places and I and I met people and I was just open to a change because I knew that what had like I knew that where I was and where I thought I wanted to go back to was was not right and so I just opened myself up to what if like what if what if I had to stay here <laughs> and what if my life could be different and and then reminding myself to come back to now and and live for right now and so I made old connections and rekindled that and I made new friendships and then I yeah I eventually got into um, coaching so that's when I started to get into wellness coaching and yeah. learning the importance of of asking questions and so I'd start to ask myself these questions and and start to keep myself accountable for where my mind was going all the time and I love that I was just going to say, I love that you gained energy from other people and that helped you to move forward. So I know that you mentioned that you did some meditation, you spent time by yourself, but it seems that you got a lot of energy um, to um, see that you were valued from other people as well and that they were able to Absolutely. give you some positive stuff and then you were like, hang on, this is a whole new world. I loved, I loved a couple of things that you said, if I could just touch on those for a second, Parker. Yeah. Live in the now. That was something that... I thought was really cool. It's like, hang on, we can worry about all these things that are going on in our life. We can worry about what these guys are thinking back in the United States. Or I can worry about that I don't have a job. Or I can just stop for a second and live in the moment for just a moment. Because then I take, there's no worry if I, just worry if I just focus on the here and now just for a moment. With the what-if mentality, which I really like the way you said that, the what-if mentality of what if something good could happen here? but with a positive slant. Not what if something bad could happen. What if? Let's, let's be open to something that is good after so many years of bad. No, yeah. I love, you know, I love like, that. You know, thanks, because it really, it's actually, you know, like living in the now, and I, I still do that. I still have to remind myself of that sometimes, you know, like, uh, you know, just be here. Just be here right now, because right now I'm okay. You know, right now I get to talk to you and, and that's good. That makes me happy. So I, I started to learn that 
if I would just gravitate towards the things that made me feel good, um, spending time with other people, because I, I do, I love community and I love people. <coughs> and for a lot of years, I lived with somebody that didn't like people and would put people down. And I remember that didn't, that really never sat that well with me. So it was really cool to be able to go out and meet new people and form my own opinion of them and the relationship rather than having someone tell me what it was. And I started to think for myself again. And I think that that was really empowering when once again, I could take 100% responsibility and if it worked great and if it didn't that's okay I learned from it and it wasn't a catastrophe but every everything that I did it was now my choice and I got yeah. to own it and nobody else got that power in my life and and that's <clears throat> exactly how I I still live my life is that I take 100% responsibility for everything that I do say and feel <clears throat> and where my mind goes and um, and that's really empowering because nobody can take that nobody can take anything away from me when I take 100% responsibility for myself and all those years that you've dealt with being sort of downtrodden and treated poorly and not being loved in the way that you should be loved mm. for you to make that switch and go now it changes and now I don't look to you for the sole purpose of my power. <laughs> like, I don't look to you for everything that I am. I control it. Mm. I own it. I, because then if you control it and you own it, whether it's bad or whether it's good, you're able to move on from it. But if, yeah, if someone totally. else has that control, you can't do anything. And so the, I think there's just some gems that I want people to really take away from this discussion is that we take responsibility for the choices that we make in our life. We can't take, you know, we, it's not our fault if something bad happens to us, but we choose how we react to that situation. No matter, it's challenging though, as you've explained today. It doesn't mean that I'm not trying to trivialise things. It's just, it can be challenging, but we still have to take responsibility for those things. And I love the idea of the live in the now, enjoy the moment, actually takes that takes the pressure off because it's always our pressure comes from so many hypotheticals we have all these pressure all this pressure in our life because we think this might happen or our business might die or we might lose our house or we might you know what's their reaction going to be in the situation but if we live in the now we won't feel as much of that pressure and i think that's something to take away the what if i think is great as well what if what if this could happen think on that total flip side of what our mind is structured to you know, always think about. We have, always have a negativity bias in our mind. What if we didn't allow that negativity bias to sort of take over our life? And now you're working now as a life coach. Uh, you can give yeah. yourself business a bit of a plug if you'd like to, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got to work on my sales abilities, though, right? <laughs> no, I just, I really, um, you know, I love, I love sitting across from people that feel like that that feel like they're stuck in life and that there's no options because I 100% understand that and and it and every single person that I sit across from I can see myself there you know like perceptions projection you know like and I 
I can see myself sitting in that seat and I and I can hear the words and they 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 sound familiar and I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that and mm-hmm. you know, and I can I can actually really sit there and I can say to somebody from every cell in my body and with just one hundred percent congruency that if you can take one hundred percent responsibility for where you're at then then you can move, you can shift, you can shift out of anything and there, you are never stuck, that there is always options. You just, sometimes we just need somebody else <clears throat> in our life or, or something to remind us that there's options and to just loosen the grip on the problem and, and then you can start to move again. And, you know, like the... I've had some really incredible life experiences and, you know, and I have been, I have been rock bottom and, and now I get to surf every morning and I get to live in a beautiful place and I created that. I did that and, you know, and my life is only getting better. You know, I'm creating a business that, that can inspire people, that can motivate people, that can get people out of a place where they just feel like there's no hope. I can give people hope again because I've felt hopeless. I can show people love again because I've felt unloved, you know, and it's a really, I feel like I'm, I feel really, really blessed and I, I just, yeah, and I, I really want to say thanks so much for inviting me to do this because um, it's been a long time that I've actually remembered that stuff, and 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 I can and I know now just by talking about it that I'm so far removed from it, and and it doesn't have any sort of hold on me, and and for that I'm I'm really grateful and I'm really proud of myself. And Good for you. you know, someone, yeah, you know, like I'm a cool chick, and I really believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a cool chick as well. And on that note, I think that's a great, a great spot to finish. And I, I wanted to mention though that just because we get through something else, it doesn't mean that that we're going to be eliminated from all bad things that happen. Those bad things are still oh, going to no. come in our lives. Of course, they're going to keep coming. In. But there's some great things that you've said today that you know, taking responsibility, live in the now. What if? Think about that positive component and own it. Own the situation that you're in and that's how you can get out of that situation. And so, Felicity, I'm super uh, glad that you came on. I've been wanting to do this discussion right from when I started my podcast series. Um, you're one of my dearest, closest friends and, and I think your story is completely amazing. So thanks for being a part of it. Um, for anybody else that is listening to this podcast that has friends or, or have experienced things in their lives that are you know, significant, but real life stuff, you know, just day-to-day big challenges and, and have found ways to overcome them. I would love to talk with you. I'd love to talk with your friends. I'd love to hear your story and share your story with the world just a little bit because you you don't understand how your story can inspire other people. I've been blown away by the messages that I've received over the past month or a couple of months, I guess, since doing this podcast series where something that somebody has said that has made a difference in somebody's life, significant difference where they've gone, oh my gosh, I've experienced that same thing and now I feel like I can move 
forward with it. But interestingly enough, the person who shared the story never thought their story was very exciting at all. And I know, Felicity, you felt the same way at times as I've spoken to you about going on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But you'll be you'll be amazed at, at how many people this touches. And, and I just want to say a huge thank you to you for being on today. Well, I just thank you, Baz. I really appreciate what you're doing and it's been an absolute pleasure. Right, you are a champion. So for those that are listening, <laughs> make sure that you hit subscribe, subscribe to my podcast, did it anyway, and we'll keep bringing out some amazing stories of people like Felicity who are dead set survivors. That's what she is. She's a survivor and I'm grateful that that she's with us and that she's able to share her story with everyone around us. So thanks again, guys, for listening and I'll talk to you on the next episode. See you later.